Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. So it's now time to invite the kids to go out to Uniting Kids and we're going to pray for them as they leave. Lord, we thank you for the enthusiasm of kids. Lord, we thank you for those who go out and teach them. Lord, we pray that they would hear a message of you and they would have fun and enjoy it. Amen. Now bring you the reading for today. If it comes up. Reading today comes from Isaiah 40, verses 27 to the end. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarding my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Here is the words of the Lord. Weary. Weary is a word which, to be honest, no one really saw coming. But what I have noticed over these last 12 months is that where last year you would have heard me critique the word busy, because busy was the scourge of our age, and in many ways it still is. But what I've discovered is that busy has now been replaced with a new word, weary. Weary. And I wonder if you came here this morning with a sense of weariness. If I were to be honest, I did. Because weary has become something that we can all relate to. Weary from six weeks of school holidays, home with the kids. Weary of a year of constant change. Weary of unknowns and having to navigate 
leadership decisions with imperfect information, weariness from anxiety and fear of the world and its complexity. And if that's you this morning, I've got to tell you, I get it. I get it. Because as I sat down to prepare this message and and to think through what God wanted to teach me, the word was weary. And as I looked into my soul, I realized that I was weary too. Because the pace has been incredible, has it not? As I mentioned before, the, the, the world has changed so fast that we struggle to keep pace at the best of times, but as, we try, as we've tried to re-envision the way that we are called to do church together, as a minister, theological college didn't train me for this, and so there's a sense of weariness. And the word that God has given me this morning speaks directly into that place. So wherever you are joining us from, whenever you are joining us, I pray and I hope and I actually believe that this will be a word for you this morning of what it means to face weariness and to declare something new over your life. And so I want to share with you one simple idea. And it's this. The gods that we create will never compare to the God that created us. I'll say it again. The gods that we create, the gods that you create, will never compare to the God that created you. And as what we will discover is that every time we get that backwards, we find a sense of weariness that we don't know what to do with. So that's what I want to look. That's what I want to look at today. And the focus passage from was is, is from Isaiah, and Taylor read the second part of that today. But I want to look a little bit broader than just those four verses. I want to take us back to verse eighteen of Isaiah chapter forty. And the context of this passage is a prophetic word written to the Israelite nation. They had they have been conquered by the Babylonians, and taken into exile. It was, a, it was a common thing the Babylonian nation would do because they didn't, they didn't have the ability to occupy all the places that they, that they conquered. And so instead they would take the best and the brightest, the elite class of the towns and cities that they conquered, they would take them away to be indoctrinated for a generation or two. And by the time that their kids had kids, all they ever knew was Babylonian culture. And so they would be returned to their cities of origin with a whole new way of seeing life under the authority of Babylon. And so that is what happened to the Israelite nation. They have been taken into exile into the Babylonian empire. And this is, this is God's word of response to a weary, weary nation. They are tired. They've had enough. They don't know when they get to go home we read in other places about God's, God's calling to them to actually thrive and to flourish in Babylon. But in this is a prophetic word of response to a weary nation and a people that are tired. And it begins this way with a question. With whom then 
If you are weary, with whom then will you compare your God? Who can you compare God to? To what image will you liken Him? As for an idol, a metal worker casts it and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. This idol is a beautiful thing, he says. A person that's too poor for such things selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol for them that will not topple. So with whom can you compare the Lord? It's an invitation for the Israelites to look around. Where are you? You are in Babylon. What is around you? Idols are everywhere. Babylon was a pagan nation. They had gods for the, for the stars. They had gods for the water. They had gods for the, for the ground. They had gods for food. They had gods for all sorts of different things because they couldn't figure out which one was the real god, so they had gods for everything. It's what pagan polytheism is. And so with Israel looking around trying to find some hope, God says, who can, who can I be compared to? Who I, Yahweh, the God of all things, who can I be compared to? These idols? Are you serious? Let's see how they compare to me, says God. And he continues in verse 21. Do you not know? Have you not heard? It's a bit like the, hearing the, the latest bit of gossip about, you know, if you're, about the royal family or something. Have you not heard? Didn't you see the last, haven't you seen the, the Mandalorian on, Net, on, uh, on Disney Plus? Have you not heard what happened in the recent, you know, series of whatever it is you're watching? I wonder if, if any of us are as excited about the wonderful things we hear in, out of Scripture as we are about the wonderful things we watch on the screen. I don't know. Have you not heard? Do you not know? Has it not been told to you from the very beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He, that is God, sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And it's people, you, are like grasshoppers. There you go. There's a flattering comment. How are you looking this morning, honey? Oh, great. You look just like a grasshopper. See how far you get out the door to church that morning. But the contrast is God's magnitude to our tininess. We're as, as an insect in compared to God, the real God. And He stretches out the heavens like a canopy, like a tent for Him to live in. And get this. It says, and he brings princes, the rulers, to naught and reduces them to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows them away to wither. And a whirlwind sweeps, sweeps them away like chaff. He says, you looking around, you need some hope, you need some hope when you are weary let me tell you where you need to look for hope. It's not in the idols, says God. You've got to look to me because I created everything. Anything that is made is there because I created it, says God. And so you, 
There's no point looking to the stuff that was created because I created that, says God. How can you place your hope in those things? Don't give in to Babylon. Don't give in to the idols around you. Continue to place your hope in me because I created all of that stuff. So that stuff is not strong enough, is not good enough, doesn't have the power to give you what you're looking for in your weariness. The Apostle Paul writes it like this in Romans chapter 1. He says, although they claim to be wise, that is humanity, you and I, we became fools and we exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images, made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. And therefore, God did something. He gave us over to our sinful desires. He gave our hearts over to sexual impurity, is the example he gives. For the degrading of our bodies with one another, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen, says the Apostle Paul. And so God... Challenges the Babylonian, uh, challenges the Israelites in Babylon. And he says, Don't look to the idols around you, look to me because I'm bigger than all of that. And the Apostle Paul reflects on the human condition that tells us since the fall of, of, of mankind in the beginning, in the garden, Adam and Eve, we have had a propensity to put the things that God has created, the good things of the world, in the place of God and try and put our hope there. And whilst for you and I, our experience is not really often idols made of human hands so much in this era. We don't see too many gods of, and idols of reptiles and things like that around the place, do we? We don't worship a bird statue in our front yard, although we might get more excited about, you know, the birds in the bird bath than coming to church, but you know, figure that out. But we have a great many gods in our age. A great many idols, if I were to be honest, that we have, we are tempted to serve. That like the Israelites in Babylon, we're surrounded by idols. We too, you and I, we are surrounded by idols. And I wonder what you think, what are the gods of our age? What are the things that we look to for joy and for hope and for happiness? We've got, we find ourselves with social creations, success and power, fame. I can put a controversial video on YouTube and become famous by the morning. And then I can fade by the next morning. And no one will know who I am. Fame, what a fickle thing that we have created. Relationships that we have created, that we look to for approval and purpose and meaning. Physical creations like food and our physiques, stuff, coffee, Netflix, Facebook, social media, psychological creations like control. Things must be just so or I do not feel like I can have joy in the world. Comfort, rather stay at home in my Ugg boots and come to church and worship in the room. Sorry, no offense. 
comfort, pleasure, sex, gratification, addictions, work, busyness. Friends, these are the idols of our age. You won't, you won't walk down the street and see a temple to a, to a deity, but you can sure as hell, sure as heck, walk down the street and see an idol to something that our world has just accepted to be true. And if I had to be real with you, we can make idols of all sorts of things in church too. We can make idols of, of the songs, we can make idols of the chairs, we can make idols of just about anything that I can think of. We can make idols of pastors. And by God's grace, I never want to be one of those. And so the challenge is that you and I, like the Israelites in Babylon, we have a risk in being immersed in a culture where there are idols everywhere. We are just as at risk of, as everyone else of putting our hope in the things that are around us. But, but God's comparison is that they are worth nothing compared to me, He says. Kingdoms, those things, rise and fall at my will. They are temporary in comparison to God's rule and reign. And so, I, perhaps a challenge for you this morning is to consider where your idols are. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But God offers a continuation in this prophecy. And He asks the question again, He says, to whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? says the Holy One of God. Lift up your eyes and look around. Look at the heavens. Who created all of this? Who calls forth the stars and knows them one by one? Knows them each by name. Because of His great power and mighty strength, not one of those stars is missing. We wouldn't notice, but God would. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God, they say in complaint. And their complaint is, we're here and we don't understand and we don't know where to look. We're weary, we're tired. God, are you even there? And God's response to them is, look at the stars in the sky. I put them there. And I know them by name. And by the way, I put you where you are, and I know you by name. So don't be afraid, Israel. Don't be afraid, church. Because where you are is where God has put you, and He knows exactly who you are. We see this parallel this, of this idea in Jesus' teachings. Matthew chapter 10, he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them can fall to the ground apart from the will of the Father. And even the very hairs on your head are numbered, Jesus says. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. We are known. And so the word of encouragement is that when we are weary and we don't know what to do, we don't know where to turn. The God of creation, 
the God that knows our name, the God that put us where we are, says, I am with you. I know who you are, and I know what you're going through. That was a word of encouragement to Isaiah, but I, to, from, from Isaiah to the Israelites, but I wonder if for you this morning there's a word of encouragement there. That the God of creation knows who you are, and He knows what you are going through. And with all of that as a backdrop, we get to perhaps the most well-known part of this passage. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator to the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired and weary, and His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Even young people grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. What a word. That is my favorite passage in all of Scripture. So it's no coincidence that when I wrote the preaching plan, I wrote myself to, to preach this passage. But, it's, but God showed me something this week. As I prepared this, the promise came to me that it was that God promises in this passage to renew us, to recreate us. For Israel, returning from exile for them was going to be recreating the nation. They were going to be a brand new nation given a new lease of life, given a new purpose. It was going to be a grueling rebuild for them. It was going to be a grueling journey back from Babylon. And even the fittest in that journey, in that process, would grow tired and they would grow weary. But God would renew His people. That was the promise. But the thing that God showed me and it links back to everything that I've been talking about. And it's that God renews through our trust. God renews through our trust. Because we, I've heard it preached, and I've preached this before, that of a wonderful promise. That we will not grow weary, we won't, walk, we won't grow faint when we walk with the Lord. But the renewal begins with trust. And I was challenged this, this year about what I'm trusting in. Where am I looking for to provide sustenance and renewal in the face of a weariness? And I've got to be honest, in the face of a year where I have to figure out how to do online ministry, and face-to-face -face ministry at the same time. We have to figure out how to care for people that can't come to church anymore, where we have to figure out how to be in community when we don't even see the faces of people sometimes. What does that look like? And there are a thousand resources out there now, all of them written in the last three months, 
to teach me how to do that as a pastor. And I've got to tell you, God nailed me on this this week. And he said, you're weary, and I get it. But your hope is not there. Your hope for renewal won't be found in those resources. It won't be found in another coaching call. It won't be found in it with another email template. It won't be found in another YouTube tutorial about doing online church. It will be found in me alone in the Lord alone. Friends, the trust cannot be placed in the idols of our world to find a sense of renewal from our weariness. The trust has to be in the Lord, our God, the creator of all things. That was true for Israel, and it is true for us. And if it's true, it's true once and for all, and it's true in an ongoing way. Let me tell you what I mean. Is there for so many people here, you are followers of Jesus. Those of you joining us online, you are followers of Jesus. You placed your trust in God as the true hope, the true source. And that was great. But as we've been immersed in the world, we have fallen away. Our trust has crept to other things. We're looking to other things to find a source of hope and meaning and purpose. And what I've got to tell you is that the hope and trust that this, this passage promises, a hope that allows us to soar on wings like eagles. The image is beautiful because an eagle puts in almost no effort to fly. It soars on the thermal vents given to it by the Creator God and, and flies almost effortlessly. Can you imagine if our journey was like that? Can you imagine if your movements through the world were not defined by toil, but instead were defined by the provision of your Creator? That's the image that we get given. And so, we come back to what I said in the first few minutes. And it's the truth of the passage, of everything that Isaiah wants to share, of everything he has been given by God, it is this. It's the gods that we create can never compare to the God that created us. And I wonder if that's a word you need to hear this morning. And so that's the encouragement, that's the truth, that's the challenge, but I don't want to leave you with that, because you go, oh, that's nice, Josh, that, thank you for that, I appreciate it, lovely sermon, see you next week. I want to give you something specific to do with this, and it's going to be a challenge, but you know the deal. God nails me with it, I nail you with it, okay? And so I want to talk for just a couple of minutes about where your hope and your trust is. What are the idols in your life? Because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about idols in our life. And so I've got a challenge, there's two things I want you to do. This week I want you to take a minute, or five, or 10, 
to be still and look in your life and figure out, identify the idols that are there for you. You might say, Josh, I don't have any. I'm good to go. And if that is you, come and speak to me afterwards. I want to know the secret. Tell me your story. But if you are anything like me, there are things around us all the time that are tempting and drawing and nagging at our sense of hope and meaning. And so I want to challenge you this week to have a look and see what your idols are. And the way to do that is to ask three questions. We're going to put these in the, in the live stream chat, and we, but if you want to write these down, you're welcome to if you're taking notes. And the first question is this, what do you turn to when things are going badly? What do you turn to when things are going badly? The second thing is, what am I most proud of in my life? What are you most proud of in your life? And the third thing is, what would make me really happy? I'd like to be really happy. Not just a little bit happy, not just moderately pleased. What would make you really happy to see it come to pass? And when you answer those three questions, I think you get a power. I got a powerful picture of who the idols are that are in my life, the creations that I have put in the place of God for hope. I'm going to be vulnerable with you for a minute and tell you what they are. I made you pay attention, didn't I? For me, one of the idols in my life is approval. I think I've taught you about this one before. I am desperately afraid of what people think of me. So much so that I don't like to ask things of people because I'm afraid they're going to say no. That was one that God showed me. So if over this year, what I've noticed is in my leadership, I've drawn everything to myself because it was easier. And in trying to hand things back, I'm not asking people to do stuff because I'm afraid you're going to say no. That, that was a challenge for me that I'm going to work on. But the other one was this is that I'm afraid I want the other idol in my life is how I look in the mirror. It's been true of me since I was 12 years age when some kid paid me out at school. And whenever I look in the mirror, I'm never happy with what I see, ever. And some of you are saying, that is ridiculous, and I get it. And some of you are saying, I get it. That's me too. And so I only tell you that stuff because this matters. Because when I looked across the rhythm of my life, even over these last few months, what it showed me was what I've been living for. What's been driving me, where I've been trying to place my hope, my meaning, my significance, and it left me weary. Because those things are not enough. And so I want to challenge you to take this seriously and figure it out. Because if you find yourself weary, it means there's something you're looking to which cannot give you what you are looking for. And so that's the first thing, identify it. And then the second thing I want you to do is work towards displacing it. Now that seems obvious. But one of the things we talked about in our life group over on, on Thursday night was that we can't just get rid of an idol. 
You can't just throw it on the fire and burn it. It doesn't work like that. You need to replace it with something else. That's why it's a displacing of an idol. And one of the things that I've tried to do as a preacher over the years is to give you the moral approach. That's an idol. It's bad for you. Stop it and expect people to change. Funnily enough, it doesn't work. I can give you a psychological approach and say, hey, God loves you, and God doesn't like it, so stop it. And apparently that doesn't work either for most of us. And the only thing that actually works is a gospel approach. And it's realizing the hope that we have placed in that idol, in that thing in our life, repenting of it, and placing our hope in Jesus instead. And that's not a one-time thing, that's an every day, multiple times a day, until God transforms and renews your mind permanently. That's what it looks like. And that's by far the harder one. Because it's when we, when we look to our identity for our value, we need to remind ourselves that through Christ we are a child of God every single time. When we look to our family and their success for our identity and our meaning and our hope and our purpose, we need to remind it that we are adopted into Christ's family and it's that family that tells us our significance, not the success of your children. When we want to control the world around us and we realize that that leaves us weary, we need to remember that God is working in all things for our good and that God is the one in control. And then when we look to pleasure, to sex, to pornography, to things of the world, to get those, that endorphin rush going for us. We need to speak the truth of Isaiah 35 over our life, which of course you all know. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in His salvation. The greatest delight we can have is in the Lord, and anything else cannot compare to the God of creation. So friends, the gods that we create will never compare to the God that created us. And if you are tired, if you are weary, if you are worn out, the promise is there that those who hope, those who trust in the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. That is the promise. But the promise comes from placing our hope in the place that can give that to us. And that is in the Lord alone. Would you pray with me? Loving and gracious God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the way it speaks into our life. and I've got to be honest, this is a challenge. Because it invites us to look closely in the mirror. It challenges us to look into our life at the places that we are seeking to find hope and meaning. And Lord, we keep doing this. Time and time and time again, and it leaves us empty 
and we're just weary. And Lord, we thank you for this promise that offers us more than what we currently know of strength and of purpose. And so, Lord, today I want to give a moment for us to acknowledge those idols in our life that we need to hand over to you. We might already know what they are. For many of us, when we even mention it, we know what they are. Lord, would would you give us the wisdom and the courage to listen to the Spirit speaking to each of us? And to recognize the truth that you created all things. And so you are bigger than the things that we put before you, which means you promise so much more than they ever could. Lord, would we put our hope in Jesus afresh rather than the things of this world? But Lord, for some people who are watching this, for some people that are hearing this, Lord, this is all new, but there's something about that weariness that they relate to. And Lord, I want to boldly pray that you would show in their hearts, as the Apostle Paul writes it, the the inadequacy, the brokenness of our way of doing life. And that the one true source of hope is in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray over those that want to put their hope in Jesus for the first time. I boldly pray that they would have the courage to be received into your kingdom and realize all that is offered freely is the gift of your grace. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing in our life. We thank you for the promise that when we are weary, you will sustain us. Lord, may this truth be ever present in our hearts this week that the gods that we create will never compare to you, the one who created us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks once again for joining us. If this service has been a blessing to you, why not share it with someone you know, or better yet, post it on your social feed because you never know how God might use what you share to bless someone you didn't even know needed it. Special thank you if you contribute towards making this ministry possible. We are so grateful. If you'd like to help Head to gauleyuniting.org.au and follow the links to begin giving. God bless you and we'll see you next time.